You are Locked On Phillies, your daily Philadelphia Phillies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Phillies Locked On Braves crossover event, of course, Nowhere else we could go uh, this week. The biggest series of the year, a three-game series down in Atlanta where the Phillies are basically playing for their playoff lives. Very likely need a sweep to have a realistic shot to win the National League East. These two teams have been going at it. The Phillies have been kind of hanging on by a thread here for a while. We're going to talk everything about this series and how we see this final week of the season playing out. But first, I have to introduce my counterpart, host of Locked on Braves, Dylan Short. Dylan, how are you doing today? I am fantastic. I am geared for this final week of the season, man. It feels very weird that we've gotten here. I can't figure out if it feels like the season has gone on forever or if I'm surprised that the end has gotten here as quickly as it did. I'm kind of in that in-between mode. Yeah, well, from a Phillies perspective, I will tell you that it feels like it's been a while. I mean, baseball moves fast and time moves fast in a general sense. But when I look back to some of those early games in the season, I, li- I was listening back to some of my earlier podcasts and going through old highlights, kind of just like reminiscing on the year before this final week here. There are a lot of games that I, A, either forgot happened, B, feel like they took place five or ten years ago. And maybe that's just the nature of the Phillies season. The Phillies have been a very, very weird team throughout the course of 2021. Some of the pitchers that, you know, you, you forgot that they were even rolling out there, whether it be Chase Anderson, who got DFA'd during the middle of the season, Matt Moore, when he was a major part of this rotation, guys that would pull out of the bullpen, the fact that Roman Quinn even played for this team this year. I mean, the list goes on and on that you can't even believe that this team has almost reached the end point here and how long, just how long a baseball season is. It's 162 games. It's six months, but each game, I mean, the beauty of baseball is that each game mathematically holds equal weight and some of the games played early in the season you don't even remember, and they every much just contribute to why the Phillies are where they are, why the Braves are where they are with the current two-and-a-half game lead as the game's being played right now. But in totality, in you know, the sum of all parts is that they are two-and-a-half games out going here into the Atlanta series. And this is about where they were to start the month of September. I think it was exactly two games. And when the Phillies were back two games at the beginning of September, I said that if you asked me on April 1st, before the Phillies and Braves played on opening day, I would have signed up for this. I would have signed up for the Phillies to have a realistic chance at the postseason. The problem is they haven't made up any ground since then. I mean, they have, and then they've lost it. They've taken a step back, step forward, step back, step forward. But once again, the sum of all parts is they're two and a half game back. Still technically control their own destiny with this series in Atlanta, but really in a position where they basically have to sweep two out of three at the minimum, and then you're still going to need uh, a little bit of help that I just don't think you can realistically expect from the Braves this weekend against the Mets. So season has definitely felt like it's gone on a while for me. Uh, from the Braves perspective, I, kind of what I've been viewing it as, and certainly chime in here with your take, is that for much of this season, they kind of rope a dope the rest of the National League East. They weren't, it seemed like a down year from a season ago and they were a game away from the World Series. And then just in August, they took over the National League East like we expected all along. So I guess that's why you play out 162. And 
I am happy though that these two teams do have a chance to go at it here in the final week. It has been a, a really weird and, and I, I'll say disappointing. It's been a pretty disappointing season just from a Braves perspective. And I know you can look at the Pythagorean record. They're a 90-win team. I was staunch that this was a 100-plus win ball club going into the season. Now, granted, I was not dis- I was not factoring in that you were going to lose Ronald Acuna Jr. for the year. Uh, and I definitely wasn't factoring in that you were going to lose Acuna and then actually play better. But I don't think a single person in Braves country would have thought that it would have taken until after the All-Star break for the Braves to get up over 500. Uh, it, it was just every, every single bit of mediocrity and bad luck that could happen to this team happened in the first half of the season. Uh, for about the first month, really, it was it was basically Ronald on his own carrying the team. Uh, after that first Yankee series, Austin Riley kind of had this big explosion where he just kind of, it looked like he got tired of struggling and just said, all right, you know what, I'm just going to be good again. And he just carried it over for the whole season. And uh, he's not going to win MVP. Bryce Harper is going to win MVP for sure. Um, either Harper or Juan Soto. It's going to be one of those two, and it should be Harper. Um, but but Riley has been the best player for the Braves this season. I know war values are going to have, I think Freddie's a little bit ahead of Austin right now. I think Ozzy might be a touch, or Ozzy was a touch ahead of him not too long ago. But um, the steps that Riley took this year were, were really big for, for him. And, and somebody that tends to, um, was never Austin's biggest fan. This is one of those years where, you know, you just kind of go and you got you to gotta be legit and be honest. Be like, the dude the dude put it together. So it's kind of like a tale of two totally different seasons. I think having the 60-game season before kind of makes this season feel like kind of a, a little scramble a little bit. Um but I think you're right. I mean, for for the Phillies, I mean, it's tough whenever you're close to, to winning a division or, or being in that hunt. You say that before the season starts, you're like, oh, I'll just be happy to be over 500 uh, for what well, I think it's the first time in 12 years or something like that. You're like, oh, I'll just be happy to go over 500. But then you get into it and you're close and you're kind of right there and all of a sudden it's not really good enough anymore. It's like the Braves last year in going into that NLCS with the Dodgers where it's uh, it's, you know what? I'm happy if we just don't if we don't make ourselves look bad, and then before you know it, it's a three run lead, a three one lead, and you're like, oh well, now I want to win it all, and then it's a big collapse, and it's been a, it's been a hard year for the NL East as a whole. I think, weirdly, I think the teams ended up finishing right around where most people would have predicted they end up. The record's nowhere near what people thought, but the division kind of shook out the way that we thought when we were doing our our preseason predictions. Uh, everything kind of ended up almost exactly where we said. It just kind of took a while to get there. Uh, I will say, though, um, I'm not feeling this season nearly as much as I was last year. I love a lot of what's been going on for the team, but uh, I'm not really excited about having to match up with the Brewers uh, for the first round of the playoffs. I'm really, really not excited about it. Well, So you hit on a few things there that I think are pertinent and important to the Phillies season that I kind of want to add on to. Number one is that Ronald Acuna was carrying this team for so long, and he's been, I, I don't even remember, how long has he been out for? Like, at what point did he go down? How many games you probably know off the top of your head? Two months, played, I think. Did they played, what, the last 60 games without him? Oh, yeah, and for sure. That's, and that's basically how long they've been in first place. Like, that contributes to how frustrating this season has been, at least for me, from a Phillies perspective, which is that you're right that the division standings, like if you were ranking the teams one through five, are probably going to fall out the way that many people anticipated. Maybe some people had the Mets, you know, in a one or two spot or expected the Braves to be a little bit better. But when you rank the teams one through five in the bubble of the National League East, this is probably pretty close 
to what a lot of people would have had. Or if you said this is how it's going to end, no one would have been stunned. If you added, if you uncovered the record and said, well, here's how many wins and losses they're going to end with. And granted, there are still six games left for the Phillies here, potentially seven games left for the Braves. You might be surprised about that. You might also be surprised of the path they took to get there, that the four months when Acuna was playing are the four months the Braves basically aren't in first place. And the second he goes down, that's when they jump ahead and they rally around not having him and carry the ship here and have only a week to go to kind of hold the Phillies off. And it's really, they've had to hold the Phillies off a little bit, the Mets off a little bit and with one week to stand, you know, to go. It's really only the Phillies. They have to fight off for just a little bit longer here with three games at home against them. But what makes it so frustrating for the Phillies is that when you uncover those records, if you told me at the beginning of the season that, you know, having a win total in mid eighties might get this division done. And, you know, I would say that the Phillies actually have a legitimate chance. I didn't think the Phillies would have a legitimate chance to win this division or make the playoffs at the beginning of the year. And when you take everything into account, the fact that they went on that eight game winning streak in the first week of August and they overtook first place in the, in the national league East over the Mets. And it was like, now it feels like the Phillies have no good excuse to not make the playoffs. I don't want to say it was their division to lose, but for a moment in time there, it felt like the Phillies, you know, were controlling their own destiny. There was not going to be this, powerhouse within the division this late in the season that would be the reason the Phillies couldn't get out like for years the Braves were just outclassing teams simply within the division and it was just like all right even if the Phillies played to their maximum potential like even the more optimistic people going into some seasons in recent memory had them mid-80s win totals and that still wouldn't have got it done this year I said they would win 84 games they have 81 wins with six games to go so you know, if they go three and three here in this week, it would be exact, but they're going to be pretty close to that win total. And they're in all likelihood going to miss the playoffs here by like a game or two. And that's the most frustrating part to me is that they had such a good shot that they got that MVP year out of Bryce Harbor, which again, everyone agreed that he was good, but no one knew that he was going to be this good. And that's in spite of, you know, losing him due to injury and really losing an MVP caliber level Bryce Harper due to injury for longer when he tried to stick through it. Got in to make the All-Star game, and now since the All-Star break, has been like the reason, like the primary reason this team is where they are. So it's incredibly frustrating that, you know, you say, all right, well, the Braves' best player, their star goes down. Bryce Harper's going to win MVP of the National League East. The National League East is going to be as winnable as it can be in... 10 years basically since the Phillies last had a winning record and they're still going to fall just a few games short. That's where you start to wonder, well, if the storm, if they got the perfect storm, and they still couldn't get it done. Like when's it going to happen? So that's really the most frustrating part to me. Again, I'm not, I haven't closed the book on this season yet. There's still a week here to go. I think their backs are entirely up the wall against the wall. These are the three biggest games of the season. Again, they likely need a sweep to, have a realistic shot at doing this and still have to take care of business in Miami, which we know they don't do, but one game at a time for the moment. That's really the most frustrating part to me is that the opportunity I don't think could have gotten any better, even the things they could control or things they couldn't control. And it still doesn't like look like they're going to do it. And I think that's, I've been, I've been staunch. I've been saying this all throughout the first half when the Braves were unable to get over 500. I said for a number of times, and once they get over 500, they won't look back. Just like I was saying, once they take the division lead, 
they won't give it back up. And that's kind of that's that's kind of seemed to be what the Braves have been all year. And you're right, this has been the year where it's broken completely open for everybody. Like this was the perfect chance for any of these teams uh, in the division to step up while the Braves, for some reason, just could not get out of their own way. Like, was it 17 straight alternating wins and losses? That's a record. Uh, one of th- was it one of three teams not to spend a day over 500 until after the All Star break. Uh, m- keeping company with like the Pirates and the not, like even the Diamondbacks were up over 500 at one point. It was after the Diamondbacks swept the Braves actually when they got up over 500. But just a a weird season all around, and in one season, in one way, you're like, dude, they they did this without Ronald Acuna, and in the other way, you look at it, at least in Braves countries, of course they managed to go on this run after losing Ronald. It's the most Braves thing ever to lose one of the top five most talented players in baseball, and that's when your team actually starts winning. It's after you lose the the mega superstar on par with everybody else who was trending towards having a pretty easy MVP season. I mean, you look at Acuna, and he played 82 games. I'm just going to tell you his numbers through 82 games. Uh, That's 360 plate appearances, 24 bombs, 52 ribbies, 17 steals. Uh, uh, Ended up going 283, 394, 596 with a 156 WRC plus. Good for 4.2 F4 in 82 games. He was trending close to a 10 F4 season. He was was trending close to a Mike Trout. Uh, That's the type of season he was putting together. That was the only reason the Braves were even in sniffing distance for a long time was because of of what Acuna was doing. Uh, Freddie, Ozzy, Darno got hurt early. Everybody just came out of the gate struggling except for Ronald, uh, and it just seemed like nobody could get on the page at the same time. And I've been saying... uh, I, I, even with Ronald going down, I felt the Braves were, were the most well-balanced team in the division. Just when you look at the, the rotation, the lineup, uh, the bullpen, I thought that they were the most well-balanced. I obviously don't have the superstar cachet, although I would say, I would say that one, Ozzie is, is supremely underrated. I know he's been struggling lately, but Ozzie's one of the best second basemen in baseball. Uh, Riley has solidified himself as, as a top five third baseman. Uh, I would probably say top five third baseman in baseball, but certainly top five in the NL. Uh, and Freddie, Freddie's Freddie Freeman, man. He's he's one of the best hitters in the game. Um, you could basically pencil in the type of season that he's going to have. And after struggling, for him to go on that run to get to where he's at now, I, I kind of look at it as Harper's had the better season this year for sure. But I kind of put Freddie and Harper in that same kind of tier. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that they're like the the super elite rank. Like they're not the Vlad Jr. They're not the Ronald Acuna. Um, but they're in that next realm of I'd call them. I think I would call them stars. I think Bryce was a superstar, and actually, weirdly enough, I actually think it's far better for Bryce now that he's been kind of passed up by some of the other young guys, where he can kind of just go out and actually do his thing, where he went from being this massively underrated guy because everybody hated him, uh, or massively overrated because he was the face of baseball, to being massively underrated because nobody likes Bryce Harper, which is still kind of weird for me, like... I actually, as weird as this is going to be, and as much as Braves fans are going to be mad at me about this, I love Bryce Harper. I think he's a fantastic player. I think he's one of the best pure offensive players in baseball for sure. And I think he's had a tremendous season. Now, I thought his numbers were way ahead of Juan Soto's. Juan Soto's quietly had one of the craziest seasons I've ever seen. Um, but you you can't you can't knock anything that Bryce has done. I mean, this whole Phillies roster, when you look at the Phillies roster up and down, Bryce, is, Bryce and Zach Wheeler are kind of the two. JT, JT is really, really good. I don't know that I would say that JT is elite. He certainly hasn't been elite this year, 
But, I mean, Bryce Harper, this whole second half has essentially said, hey, I'm going to drag you guys to the playoffs, and if we don't make it, it's, I'm gonna, it's not going to be because I didn't do everything I could do. Uh, and, and just from a pure baseball fan perspective, it's awesome to watch. I mean, he's on base all the time. I mean, everybody knows that Bryce is the guy that you have to avoid, and yet he just tends to beat you. If it's not if it's not hitting the ball out of the ballpark, it's getting on base every single at bat, or you know, scoring on plays he really doesn't have any business scoring from. I mean, it's it's he's been keeping the the, the Phillies afloat, and that's one of the things when you look at this series right here. It's going to be how did the Braves manage Harper? Obviously, that's always the Braves strategy whenever they face a Bryce Harper team, whether it was when he was with the Nationals or with the Phillies. It's you got to contain Bryce, and, and this game one matchup. I think this game one matchup is going to be the most important one in the series. Now. I mean, I'm a. I, I we'll talk about Nola here in a second. I'm sure Nola versus Max Fried. I think is how we're we're shaking it out. It's how it should shake out. Um, but this this game one matchup, Zach Wheeler versus Charlie Morton. This is a big time matchup. Charlie hasn't had a lot of luck against the Phillies, and Zach Wheeler is fantastic. I mean, I, I have nothing but but glowing words to say about Zach Wheeler and how upset I am that he's not in Atlanta Brave right now. But uh, this should be this should be a, a very nerve-wracking game tonight, really for both sides. Yeah, so a lot of thoughts about the Bryce Harper MVP case, a lot of thoughts about uh, this series, and a lot more Phillies and Braves conversation coming right up. But Dylan, first I have to tell you about DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends logging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without that hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content, it varies by package. And every bit of money that you're not spending on your cable or all of your extra fees and streaming services and whatnot is something you can put towards something else. I don't know, something like food or like gas. And speaking of gas, there's a great new app that everybody who's listening to this, whether you're a Braves, a Phillies, or whatever fan needs to know about, that is GetUpside. Listeners are going to make up to 25 cents for every single gallon of gas every single time they fill up. All you got to do is download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now, and you can use the promo code BASEBALL. I'm going to assume you guys know how that's spelled. BASEBALL. And you get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That means 50 cents cash back per gallon. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use the promo code BASEBALL to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month. That's not chump change. That's two to $300 in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash gets back added right back to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Again, just download the free app, GetUpside, in the Google Play Store or the App Store or Apple Store, whatever you want to call it for you Apple users. Just download, use the promo code BASEBALL, get up to 50, uh, 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. One more time, that's code BASEBALL to get up to 50 cents a gallon in cash back. Dylan, uh, in terms of the Bryce MVP 
you know, case, I'll call it. I think he's actually hit a bit of a perfect storm there as well. It kind of fits in the theme of the 2021 Philly season, except I think this thing's actually going to happen. If Fernando Tatis had been, you know, I mean, he is the face of the Padres, but if the Padres had been a playoff team like many expected going into the season and he was having comparable numbers, I think it would likely be him. He was the odds-on favorite for a while there. It's like he's leading his team to the playoffs. Bryce is falling just a bit short. Now that Tatis has fallen a little bit down in the rankings with how good Soto has been in the second half, how good Bryce has been in the second half, and none of them are going to go to the playoffs, A, Bryce has his team the closest. Not that I personally think that should factor in a whole lot, but we do know that that can you know influence the voters here. And I just think Bryce has been the flat-out best player in totality of the season. I think everything's working for him to frankly get it here. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think you can make a case for Soto. It's very impressive to see Juan Soto doing what he's doing after the Nationals traded away Trey Turner and Kyle Schwarber. So he basically just has Josh Bell, who's not good in that lineup with him, and he's still able to do Juan Soto things. But when you look at Bryce and you look at the Phillies lineup, and you know I'm not going to cast aspersions just because we're doing a crossover or anything, but it's not like Bryce has a bunch of guys around him in that lineup either. I mean, JT's batting in front of him most of the time, so... I mean, you got Bryce who's basically carrying the load for that lineup. It's very similar styles, very similar seasons, actually, between Bryce and Soto. It's actually almost exactly identical seasons. Weirdly enough, Juan Soto has developed into a really good defender, according to OAA, uh, where Bryce is still kind of struggling a little bit. Um, but you, you can't have any, you can't look at their numbers and, and say that Tatis deserves it over Harper. Now, I didn't think you could anyway. And yeah, there's the factor that Tatis got hurt, but. I think we kind of overlook some things with Tatis because he's such uh, a powerful personality, because he's such a superstar and he's so transcendent. This isn't all that unusual for him anyway. He's kind of done this his entire career where he'll come off to these roaring starts and just crushing everything. And then he goes through really long periods where pitchers kind of figure him out and he gets into these ruts and he just can't kind of can't dig himself out of it. He, he tends to be very streaky. It's almost like when Justin Upton was on top of the world and Justin Upton was really crushing baseballs back and forth where for like a two-month stretch, he's going to put up just ungodly numbers and then he's going to go quiet for about a month. And we see Tatis do that too. Now, the power is always there for Tatis, but it's not just power that you look at when you're trying to discuss who's the best offensive player. And if we're saying that none of those three are really known for their defense, let's just say, uh, it, it does become more important about who is the better offensive player. And I, I think that Tatis is a distant third in that conversation. And quite frankly, I don't know that I'd have him in the top five. Which is incredible when you think about where he ranked, or at least where the sports books had him ranked, and where his numbers, I would argue, had him ranked for, what, four or five months yep. of the season? But it's, it's very similar to what he did last year, too. Don't forget, for a while last year, he was looking like he was going to walk away with the MVP. And then he just had those major second-half struggles, so that's what allowed Freddie Freeman to take it over, because Freddie was just consistent all the way through. And I think that's one of the things that... I guess I don't want to I don't want to play the old man card, but I guess that's one of the things with the attention span kind of being the way that they are now. You kind of tend to to forget about things like that, uh, where where you kind of everybody looks at it as a day at a time, and you see Tatis make these crazy plays. Uh, you see him make these insane plays at shortstop. You don't see the crazy errors all the time, but you see like the the crazy defensive plays he'll make where he just goes crazy ranging. Then you'll see him just mashing balls left and right, hitting grand slams. But you don't really because he's he is the face of baseball right now 
him and Shohei Otani, you don't hear as much on the other side of things when he gets into these prolonged slumps uh, and when he's really, really struggling really badly. So he, he kind of gets a little bit of a pass in my mind from some of these other guys. Now, Soto... Soto always gets a pass, but it's not like he ever needs to be passed on. I don't think Juan Soto ever does anything that's not fantastic, especially offensively. But like Bryce doesn't get the same benefit of the doubt, despite the fact that they've they've been fairly similar players through their runs here. Um, you know, Ronald Acuna will definitely doesn't get that benefit of the doubt in Atlanta, um, but really doesn't. There's not really another player in the league that kind of gets that Tatis treatment, uh, and I think that's one of the things that if you're if you're telling me to to do my conspiracy theory or my look at the dark side i will say that it's the popularity of tatis that i could see him getting the mvp just purely based on him being fernando tatis but i think no matter how it shakes out i think everybody who knows anything about the game knows that this is bryce harper's season i have more Phillies and braves talk on the other side but have to sneak in uh some more information that you need to know here and of course we got to tell you about built bar do you know that built bar he has so many delicious flavors. There's something for everyone. We talk to a Bilt Bar fan. They're definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know the Bilt Bar flavors by now, well, you are definitely missing out. There's coconut, cherry, barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, my personal favorite. Definitely got to go with that cookies and cream. But if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get that mixed box. We'll get two of each of those nine flavors. Bilt Bar flavors, they're best tasting, but they're also healthy, too. They have 17, 18 grams of protein. Calories range from 130 to 180, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Again, amazing flavors, all tasty, but they're all healthy as well. Go to Built.com, use that promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your first order. Again, that's Built.com, promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your first order. One last time, that is LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Speaking of taking care of yourself with Built Bars, which are just a fantastic and healthy snack, your car does a lot for you. It takes care of you. It gets you where you need to go. It allows you to get your paycheck. Well, just like you need to take care of the people in your life, you need to take care of your car, too. And sometimes that means going to a shop when you need to. Sometimes it means taking care of business when you don't have time to go to the shop. And where one of the places you can go to do that is rockauto.com. There is no easier way to get parts for your car. We are in the year 2021, folks. There is no need for a middleman anymore. There's no need to get up and put on pants and go to some auto parts store where they're going to ask you your make, your model, what you need, and all that stuff. You're not going to know any of that stuff because you just know it as your car. Uh, you're going to have to get the VIN number and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And then you're going to have to find, they're going to find the part that you need. And then they're just going to tell you that they don't have it because there's a lot of parts. There's a lot of different makes and models of cars. They don't have the room in a in a standard size building to house all of that. So what are they going to do? They're going to go online and order it probably from Rock Auto. Well, you don't need them to order for you. Rock Auto is a family-owned and operated business. They know what it's like for the do-it-yourselfer. They don't charge you more for doing it yourself. And they have just about every part you could possibly think of to do any sort of maintenance in your car. It's really easy to, to get on there. Very quick, ships right to your door. You don't even have to put on pants. All you got to do is use that handy-dandy computer in your pocket that we all have now called a cell phone. Go to rockauto.com and in the box at the bottom of the screen, it's going to ask, hey, where did you hear about us? Just check that locked on portion there for us. Let them know that we sent you there. But go to rockauto.com, use them. I guarantee once you start using them, you're never going to go back to using the parts stores. You're not going to have to pay that markup cost. Everybody pays the same, whether you're a parts store, whether you're a mechanic, whether you're a do-it-yourselfer. Go to rockauto.com today. 
I wanted to get more into kind of how both teams have arrived at this point. You know, we, we come into this series, and again, records similar enough that in the final week, it's still theoretically could go either way. Phillies have an 81-75 record. Braves coming in at 83-72. and 72. And we'll get into all the playoff scenarios and kind of weird things that could happen here in the final week as these two teams go head-to-head. First of all, is there anything better than September, I mean, October baseball, anything better than like pennant race baseball where there's weird scenarios and checking the standings every day. And, you know, each day another team gets eliminated or another team, you know, you figure out what they have to do to get a certain playoff spot. I mean, the fact that we play 162 games and it comes down to sometimes a game or an inning or like a single pitch is just mind boggling. And then you, you look out to the NL West and some team who's going to win a hundred games is going to have their entire season come down to a single game, we might even get a playoff between those two teams. As a baseball fan, like this is the best time of year. Oh, absolutely! It, it's nerve wracking when your team oh, is when you're, when, when, <laughs> when when you're, you're right there. It, yeah, uh, it, it's it's incredibly nerve wracking, and it does. You and I'll say this: usually, it's it's even more nerve wracking than it is. I think the fact that we're coming off of a sixty game season into one sixty two almost kind of like. There have been so many points of this season where I've just been worn worn through to the bone that I'm almost numb we're now. To, we're not we're not used to going. We haven't gone this long in a season in two years. Like, yeah, you know, we had like a year, we had a year off. Last year was like a sprint. It was sixty games. And it was like wow, that went by fast. And yeah. were, the season the season didn't start until late July, and it was like all right, we're just gonna you know how many times did you hear sixty game sprint last year? But this is this is the long haul, and bullpens have gotten taxed because of it. The Phillies are no exception to that rule. 34 blown saves, I believe is the number. It's, you know, the record right now in the majors. I mean, it's absolutely incredible that we've made it to this point. And again, still have a week to go and that teams somehow or sometimes have their seasons decided by a game or two. It takes this long to determine who can, you know, who should win this division, who should be in this wild card spot. And it is just the best when the two teams go head to head at the end of the year. And it just creates massive chaos. It does, and then you get these out-of-nowhere stories, teams like the Cardinals that have really turned on the devil magic lately uh, that can go through and, and really throw a monkey wrench into everything. It's, it's almost shaping up to be similar to 2019, uh, where the best team in the playoffs did not make it to the World Series. Uh, there, there's a lot of intrigue going on right now. This is one of those years where you feel like, just get in. and, and Now, we always say that, where it's get to the playoffs and funny things happen in playoff just, baseball. Just get take, in and anything will happen. Exactly. The records. Yeah, you like, hear that every Take your yeah. chance. It, it happens. Wild card teams win the pennant all the time. Uh, we, we hear that. And, you know, most of the time, like, yeah, you know, that's cool and all. I still want to win the division. Um, but this year kind of feels like that. Nobody in their right mind is going to pick against the Dodgers. But, I mean, it doesn't look like the Cardinals are ever going to lose a game again. So that's actually shaping up to be a really crazy first round. By the way, guarantee you they change that playoff format if the Cardinals knock out this Dodgers team. But it does open up a lot of more interesting avenues in the playoffs where a lot of these teams, I kind of feel like kind of similar to the NFL this year, where there's a bunch of teams that are clumped right around each other talent-wise. There's a couple teams that stand above and beyond everybody else, but for the most part, everybody is right there with each other. So all you got to do is get in. I don't think there's a big difference unless you know, you're know you talking about the Dodgers, 
there's not a big difference to me between the division winners and the wild card winners, which just shapes up to, to give you kind of really good games in every single round, whether it's wild card all the way through the NLCS, all the way through the World Series. And the AL might be a little bit different, but the NL at least, everybody is kind of right there with each other. Every one of these teams could beat the others, and again, I'm going to say with the exception of the Dodgers, uh, but every one of these guys stacks up with everybody else. And you're talking about coin flip games, and this is kind of a, a term that we use a lot. In Braves country, uh, my partner on my other my other podcast, uh, the Platinum Sombrero, we, he uses coin flip games all the time, and it kind of seems like this year somebody's going to lose out on a playoff spot for something that you're going to go and point to. For the Braves, it would be like their record in one run games. For the Phillies, it would be like blown saves things things that are, are imminently controllable for you that you you quote able to overcome up to a point. But can you overcome it at the very last second? And for the Braves, it could be something as simple as allowing them to allowing themselves to lose that little inning and a half set with the Padres, where they had a chance to take to to go up four and a half games in a day, and instead they lost that game, won the second one, and basically tread water. If they had won that game, the division would basically be over. So for the Phillies, I almost, I don't want to say that you're playing with house money because you still have to you still have to beat the Braves, and you still have to get a little bit of help too. But you almost kind of are. But you almost got a little bit of new life in you because of that. And that makes, to me, that makes the Phillies a dangerous team. Absolutely. Uh, really quick, because we do have to wrap up episode one here. And again, everyone should stay tuned for episode two as well, because this is such a big series. Of course, we have to do uh, part one and part two. Just so much to get into with these two teams. And we'll do more on episode two of previewing this specific series and some wacky playoff scenarios, because there's, you know, hours worth of conversation just with that alone. But just because you kind of mentioned it about them potentially changing the rule, if let's say the Cardinals beat the Dodgers in a wild card format and the Dodgers had their 100-win season or 105-win season, whatever it turns out to be, ended in nine innings, I make you commissioner of baseball for a day. I feel like it's fun to have these conversations. <laughs> uh, end of the season, beginning of the season, right? Like when rules, when we see rules for the first time and then at the end of the year, we, we saw a wild year in Major League Baseball. And you want to talk about a long haul it feels like years ago when they remember when they were first cracking down on the sticky stuff mm-hmm. on the spider tack and you know Garrett Cole just had that blatant lie in front of the New York media and all that <laughs> and now it's be, and and people were booing when the umpires were checking at first and now it's just become like a routine part of the game and it seems like I mean we haven't unless I'm forgetting someone we haven't really had a known offender of that in a while because it seems like we've taken it out we've seen pitchers you know production levels really change once they started enforcing that but i make you commissioner of baseball for a day and whether it's how we enforce stuff like that but more so the rules of the game as it pertains to like playoff formats like it seems like next year we're not going to have seven inning double headers again we're going to go back to nine innings and at this point in the season when they're trying to make out a rain out and we're trying to get in games as much as possible and squeezing games together you know, the odds that a team is going to win two games in a row does decrease when you play games in the same day. But then you're also making them seven inning games, which changes the complexion of the game. And they hold as much weight as the nine inning game. Also, we have a playoff format that has been utilized since the year 2012. But when we do this in the NFL, often the winner of the National League East is going to have like 20 less wins than the second place NLS team. They get a five game series. Meanwhile, the NLS team has to like, for their lives and if they play a game 163 they might even be deeper into their pitching rotation so i asked you a week ago you're a commissioner of baseball are you changing the playoff format are you keeping it the same 
Are you changing any of the in-game rules that we've now seen over 162? What could make the game better? You know, what needs to go? What do you like? What needs to stay? Uh, so, first thing that would happen, like the second that I was announced as commissioner for a day, uh, that podunk little rec league church softball extra innings start with a runner on second, that's gone forever. Uh, and I'm going to put wording in there to where that can never come back. That's gone forever. Um, but I would change the playoff format. I think it should be seeded by your record. Uh, I Now, I, I know you want to reward teams for winning the division. That's one of the things that I think that baseball has over every other sport is that it does matter. Your divisions do matter. It's not just about... You know, it's not just about having a great record. You also need to be able to to hang in your division. And if your division is super tough, well, that kind of sucks for you. Um, that that's sometimes that's the way that the hands are dealt. And that's one of the things that I really love about playoff baseball. Um, now, I, I do kind of think that you should, I, if you're not going to to completely change the seedings uh, in and of itself, I do think that a three game wild card round would be more beneficial. Um, but I do think that that there's something to be said that you you deserve something for winning your division, even if your division's not that good. Um, you had three other teams in there that had a chance to win it, and you were the team that that did. You handled your business against who you were supposed to handle your business against. I mean, this year it's not going to matter too much, other than whoever comes out of the wild card in the West is going to feel like they got shafted. But the Central wasn't any better than the NL East, other than you know the Brewers are really good, but the rest of the Central's not anything to shake a stick at. The Reds aren't that good. The Pirates are awful. The Cubs are just as bad as the pirates it's not like it's not like they beat up on any good teams to get what they got it's just kind of the way that the dice rolls that extra innings rule to me that's the one that that needs to go i've kind of come around on the seven inning double headers a little bit uh i really did not like them at first i felt it was like fake baseball but i really don't mind it it does keep people kind of fresh if managers will kind of do it correctly uh it is kind of a way that you can see uh, an emphasis on the starter more than going to the relievers all the time. Uh, but I think the I think the other big rule for me more than anything else is I'm adding the DH into the National League. I'm, I'm tired of watching pitchers hit. I got to see Waskar hit a grand slam. That's cool. I, Max Freed walked a game off, which was awesome. Um, but I don't need to see pitchers swing the bat. Yeah, I actually would get rid of the seven-inning doubleheader before anything. Um, one is I know I'm in the minority. We discussed this at the beginning of the season that I actually do think I will miss National League Baseball and the strategy that goes along with it. I wish it would be a consistent rule across all of baseball, though. Like, I always thought it was weird in the World Series, the rules are literally changing. That old adds a whole new dynamic to it. I've already accepted the fact that it's coming. I thought last year was the excuse to just have the DH permanently. I thought it's weird that they went back to no DH this year, only to bring the DH back a year from now. That is all weird. The seven-inning doubleheader rule, though, is what annoys me the most. Because it's, it's the only instance in professional North American sports that I can think of that where you're, really, you're literally changing the length of the game based upon like a scheduling quirk. Like you wouldn't make, when the NBA, if an NBA team is on a back-to-back, or if, like two, if a team was playing a back-to-back like home-and-home home against each other, which in the era of COVID we saw a little bit more of, you wouldn't make those games 10-minute quarters. Like you, you wouldn't shorten the game for the benefit of the two teams. Now, I'm saying this in jest that they haven't done it. Who knows? Maybe one day they will because we know NBA players don't like playing back-to-backs and they've extended the season more to try and avoid them. But you're literally making a seven-inning game, which changes the strategy in baseball more so than anything else. Like your ninth-inning guy becomes your seventh-inning guy. Your eighth-inning guy becomes your sixth-inning guy. Suddenly your starter who doesn't need to go, you know, who can't go six, seven innings into games and it's a big deal 
you pitch him in the seven inning game and you kind of get bailed out on that because he only needs to go five. Like you're shortening it in a way that I think really impacts the integrity of the game. And the fact that they hold the same weight as a nine inning game, especially here late in the season. Like I don't want to see a pennant race game down the stretch in September where it's only a seven inning game. And we had a weird quirk where the Braves and Padres are making up a seven inning game before a nine inning game because it started as a seven inning doubleheader game. I just want to get back to a point where we try and make all games the same length. They're going to hold the same weight at the end of the season. And that's why ultimately I think you should get it. And I understand that pitching staffs get taxed and you don't need to do it. Hey, maybe that means that we need to make this season a week longer to allow more off days and more games where we can make up rainouts to have less doubleheaders to begin with. I think I would be in favor of moving towards that before we just schedule a bunch of doubleheaders and therefore force ourselves into a situation where we have to shorten the length of these games. I guess that's just where I'm at on it's that. It's also ridiculous, by the way, that a one-hitter counts in a seven-inning game, but a no-hitter doesn't. Uh, that's well, and that's just like a weird, like, you know, guys got, like, Baumgartner has a seven-inning no-hitter. It's like, we'll never know whether he would have yeah, finished out uh, the eighth Against night, the so. Braves, actually. <laughs> like, <laughs> only, only, yeah, only in baseball could we create a rule that literally nullifies, like, that's Major League Baseball admitting that that game is like Mickey Mouse in a sense, that it doesn't fully count. But yet that win still counts the same way as an I-inning game. So that's why I think it's ridiculous. I just think all games should be the same rules, and you literally are changing the length of the game. Again, you wouldn't make you wouldn't make Thursday night football games in the NFL because they're playing on short rest. You wouldn't shorten the game. Like Everyone would freak out about that. So why is it okay when we do it at baseball? That's kind of my biggest annoyance. We do have to wrap up episode one here, Dylan, but not before I tell you about Locked on Bets. Betting on baseball doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert, Lee Sterling. Your daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcast. And again, stay tuned for episode two of the Locked on Phillies, Locked on Braves crossover event.